Good morning. This is Dr. Mary. It is the 27th of October, uh, 2021. And I'm going to follow up today with a discussion of uh, the my most recent podcast, which is entitled The Straw That Broke the Con- the straw that breaks the camel's back. And in that, uh, if you haven't listened to it yet, you can go back and listen to it. It's 11 minutes. And in that story, and in that podcast, I told the story of a father and husband whose baby daughter had died. And uh, I talked about uh, a discussion with him. Now, <clears throat> how did I get this family to change its behavior? Uh, well, I'm, I was only talking with the husband and not the wife. So what what I want to talk to you today about is what I call perspective taking. Um, because when people come to see you and ask for help, they are often very agitated and upset. And, you know, are they making a mountain out of a molehill is one question, you know, that is overreacting. Or are they not taking what's going on seriously enough? Uh, questions that arise in my mind. So um, we did get a peaceful resolution of the issue we discussed yesterday, but... One of the other skills that I use that I want to discuss today is this business of perspective taking. Uh, This father had just experienced what most psychologists and mental health experts will say is the worst stress in life. That is the death of a child. And the story that I told began with uh, his... um, arguing with his wife, uh, you know, really terrible arguments with his wife, the mother of the baby, over uh, what ultimately turned out to be what kind of marker would be on the grave of the daughter. And uh, it's an important um, podcast, uh, and I encourage you to go back and listen to it. But, you know, what what you will learn when you do that is... Then I also uh, almost immediately put this issue into perspective. You know, he went on and on about he was angry about this and disagreed about that. And, uh, you know, I put I right away, I put the issue into perspective and and told him in a very subtle way uh, that he was at high risk of divorce because of the loss of this child. And also I did tell him. Uh, that this is the worst ever crisis uh, in life and, you know, that we needed to uh, take this relatively minor issue of the memorial stone uh, seriously. Um, Now, sometimes, you know, and that was a very sad story and a a true catastrophe, um, But it helps right away to put the problem into perspective for the person. Lately, I've heard a lot of people uh, 
<clears throat> complaining about this and that and the other thing, uh, especially with respect to deliveries of appliances and furniture and things they've ordered. And, you know, they get upset. And these are, you know, these are compared to the issue with this father. These are pretty minor problems generally. <clears throat> and, you know, one way you can put that uh, to perspective gently is uh, to say something like, well, join the crowd. We're all waiting for deliveries, you know, and kind of laugh about it. Um, and that just that simple kind of putting something into a perspective uh, often diffuses the situation and all of the affect the people are expressing about it, the affect being the emotional turmoil that they're expressing. And when you put, put the situation into perspective, whether it's the worst thing ever, like the story I told on uh, about the, cam you know, the straw that broke the camel's back, um, which is my third counseling skills recording, uh, or whether it's, you know, awaiting the delivery of something that's now taken six months. <laughs> uh, you know, putting things into perspective is a way of kind of getting people to get real about what's going on, you know. And and I've also, many for many years, focused on dealing with reality. You know, we, we don't always deal with reality. We think we think this is the worst ever and it isn't, you, you know, uh, I mean, sometimes it is like the story I told in episode three, but it, it usually isn't. Now I'm going to tell you another story today, uh, about putting things into perspective. And this is a really interesting one. Um, when I was a young mother, um, staying at home for a few years, I taught a course in English at a big university. Uh, it was a course in uh, writing. And I had been, prior to that, an English teacher. Uh, so, so one day, and this big university had students from all over the world. And everybody was, all freshman students were required to take this course that I taught. There were other teachers of this course too, because everybody had to take it. So they had a number of, you know, whatever they called me then, an instructor or whatever. They had a number of teachers of this course and I was one of them. So I had an office at the university and, uh, you know, I frequently met with people on a one-to-one -one basis to go over what they had written and I was doing that, and I heard this incredible turmoil in my outer office. I mean, things being knocked over, people screaming, foreign languages being used, um, just uh, incredible uh, mayhem. And so I walked out the door and I saw two women down on the ground fighting. Uh, <clears throat> and, you know, by some miracle, I was able to get them to sit down and look, come on, let's, you know, sit down here. And um, what I learned was that one of them was from Israel and the other one was from Palestine. And the one from Israel had been um, a soldier, <clears throat> had served in the Israeli 
army and the one from Palestine. And of course, international students from Palestine often say they're from some other country like Jordan, uh, so that they're not identified as Palestinians. Um, but she was pal Palestinian and she was screaming about the relatives that her relatives that had been killed in the conflict. And, you know, this conflict has gone on for decades. I mean, it's still going on today. Well, you know, this was just a really horrendous situation. And these people were literally at war here in, the, in my outer office. And <clears throat> so how did I calm them down? Um, well, I put the situation into perspective for them. And I said, listen... The war is not here on this campus, and for whatever reason, you have been drawn to this campus to get training, to go back and help your country, and if this kind of conflict persists, it is highly likely that you will be, um, I mean, I'm not going to call anybody about it right now myself, but somebody else might, and you know, if this continues and security gets involved and this and that and the other, it's highly likely that you'll be put out of school and sent back home. Um, so I think, you know, let's think about that. You know, how, how can you best help your country back home? I mean, obviously, people who helped you to get here thought you could help by getting a good education. So, you know, what I want to do is focus on on that. Well, anyway, we talked for a while, but nevertheless, they calmed down, and I never saw this kind of incident again, incident again with those two. But I had put into perspective for them what the cost of continuing this kind of conflict on the campus would involve. Um, so, you know, you can see how quickly you can diffuse a situation uh, when you put things into perspective. So that is, you know, the message for today, and I hope it's helpful. Take care. Until next time, stay well. Bye-bye. Hello, this is Dr. Mary. It's uh, Friday, October 29th, um, the weekend of Halloween. Uh, the year is uh, 2021. Uh, this is my fifth podcast on the topic of basic counseling skills and today I want to talk about something that is really important and that is de-escalation. We hear a lot about de-escalation in the news nowadays because uh, people are talking about de-escalation training so um, what I want to point out to you is if you have been following along in this series is that in podcast, podcast number two, three, and four, you know, the first one was about listening skills. And then in the second, third, and fourth, I told some stories and skills that I used uh, to help people in those stories. And if you go, if you go back and think about it, they were all... Uh, conflict situations which uh, the skills I used helped to de-escalate. Uh, so, and I did this all with words. <clears throat> the only tool that I have in my arsenal is words. 
And, you know, you've heard the old adage, the pen is mightier than the sword. In other words, words, uh, words are stronger than, um, say, conflict. <clears throat> Uh, and and this is true. Um, I mean, at least I've found it to be true. Uh, so, with respect to what words you're going to use, and words are so powerful. I mean, you can effect change with words and and how you use them. Uh, so, you know, what I did in those stories was. I, I applied my listening skills. You know, I listened very carefully uh, to everything, so I did far more listening than talking. I mean, way, way more listening than talking. Uh, the second thing was I didn't uh, start any sentences, uh, well, I avoided as much as possible starting any sentences with the pronoun you, as in you need to stop or, you know, you are wrong, or you need to clean up your act, or, you know, any time you start a sentence, as I said before, with the pronoun you, you're going to get a defensive reaction, and the person isn't going to be listening to you as well. So most of these stories, I started sentences with the first person, which is I or we, or like let's, let us, you know, let's do this, let's do that, let's think about it, let's talk about it, let's make a plan. Um, so that that was one thing. Another one is um, I never raised my voice. You know, it, when people are upset and angry, you if you start raising your voice and yelling at them, it's just going to um, escalate the situation, and they're not going to be listening to you anymore. Um, so, you know, I spoke in a very moderate tone of voice, and in fact, when I get into something that's a real conflict, like I I spoke about with the two students um, fighting on the floor of my outer office, um, I will lower my voice. Uh, and speak even more slowly, and get their attention by saying something like, "Ladies, ladies, ladies," you know. But 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 I don't um, try to physically pull people apart or raise my voice or create any further commotion. It's speak slowly, um, speak quietly and calmly. Um, I don't ever show any fear. I mean, it isn't that I've never been afraid, but showing fear um, is another way of escalating a situation. Um, so I've kind of trained myself that what, whatever happens, um, I'm not going to uh, show any fear. I'm going to keep my wits about me, stay calm, and apply techniques that I know will be helpful to settle the situation. Uh, so, um, I guess what I would say is you want to be sure in, in these instances that your behavior is not escalating the situation, uh, but that it is de-escalating it. Uh, I, I have a story to tell you. Uh, I've told this story a number of times because it illustrates, um, 
kind of a, a way of reacting to something that uh, if you are the target of somebody's anger and outrage. <clears throat> uh, and here's the story. When I was in graduate school, I was conducting research in a lab, and I had four uh, college seniors who were um, assisting me in my research. And, you know, there would be one or two of them there at a time as we ran a research study participant through the pr protocol. And the equipment in the lab was really old. I mean, very old. And it would often break down, at which case I had to call the professor to come and uh, fix something. Well, given that we were conducting research, we, the research we were conducting, uh, we were meeting with people uh, in the late afternoon or early evening. And by that time, he had gone home for the day. <laughs> so if I had to call to say, you know, there's a problem in the lab, he would just go ballistic. So I called one time when there was another problem, and he came down and fixed it. But every time this happened, he would shriek and scream at me and tell me I was stupid, I was dumb, I was incompetent, uh, you know. And at the same time, he told me never to try to fix anything, you know, which... I mean, I really didn't know how to fix it outside of changing a battery or rebooting it. I didn't really know how to fix this complicated equipment. Um, but, you know, he would go on and on like this, and um, I would just listen because I was anxious to get the study subject run, and I didn't want to end up in an altercation with him and spend time on him and, you know, but... My students would hear this, and, you know, they would say to me, it, ironically, all, all four of them were women, and they would say to me, why do you put up with this? Why do you let him talk to you like that? And I said, I know, it's really awful, but, you know, there's part of me that if I listen to him and he, he gets it over with, he'll leave and go away, and I can get this work done. But anyway, they were really bothered by it. So I said, well, here's what I'm going to do. Um, there are other ways to solve problems. And I showed them how to do that. I said, first you have to decide whether the problem is worth solving or not. And in my opinion, I was never going to call this man to come to this lab without his having a very adolescent reaction. and You know. But... I, I, you know, that was bothering them a lot that he was speaking to me this way. So I said, well, here's how I'm going to handle it. And I went to meet with him uh, uh, on another day when he was in his office. And I said, Dr. So-and-so, I just want to give you a heads up about something because, um, you know, we've had some equipment failures in the lab and... Uh, you know, I know that you hate to come in in the late afternoon, early evening from home in order to fix anything, and it's upsetting. But at the same time, my students are concerned about 
my competence. They weren't at all. They were concerned about my being emotionally abused like this. But I said, you know, they're they're starting to question whether I should be um, uh, teaching this course. And I I said, if um, if you continue to speak with me like this, I think what might happen is that they will want you to be teaching this course instead of me. And, of course, that's the last thing on earth he wanted to do. You know, one of the reasons uh, Ph.D. candidates are useful is because they teach courses that other professors don't want to teach anymore. Uh, so uh, that that stopped him right in his tracks. He he didn't ever do this again. So, um, but let me close. So, I, you know, I had a, another strategy for dealing with them. Now, Here's the important thing, though. If there are any weapons involved, knives, guns, if the person is drunk or high, your best bet is to get away, not to try to solve anything. You know, it, it, it's, um, I, I have encountered situations where people were very high on um, things like synthetic marijuana and other drugs can make people be way out of control. Th these are not situations that you can solve with words. Uh, th these are not going to be amenable to words. So they are, words are not, uh, you know, a magic potion. So uh, I would say, you know, it's very important to um, consider your personal security and safety first. All right. I hope this is, uh, you know, and this is another example of de-escalation. I got that man to stop screaming at me, you know, with, with a strategy that involved words. You know, it's just that I, I employed the strategy that I spoke about, I think, first, which was act and don't react. Instead of reacting to him right now in the moment and getting agitated and upset back and escalating everything, I waited a day or so until I had a plan, uh, and then I acted, and I, you know, plan work like, like a charm. All right, I hope this is helpful. Take care. Bye-bye. Until next time.